Welcome to the Speaks Exchange podcast with your host, Donald Taylor. As a renowned learning and development industry expert, as well as chairman of the Learning and Performance Institute, Donald sits down with experts from around the globe to talk business communication, learning technology, language, digital transformation, and engaging, upskilling, and reskilling your organization. This podcast is brought to you by Speaks, the first intelligent language learning platform for the digital workplace. Listen in and you might learn a thing or two. Hello, welcome to another Speaks Exchange podcast with me, Donald Taylor, your host. I'm in London and today we have with us Kinga Petrovai, joining us from Ottawa in Canada. Kinga is an educational specialist working at the intersection of research and practice and has a lot of really practical, useful, but also research-based stuff to say about how people learn and the role of learning technologies in that and where the adoption of technology very often stumbles. Before I go any further, Kinga, welcome. Great to have you with us. Can you introduce yourself to us? Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much. So as you said, I'm an education specialist. This is my second career. Uh, I'm actually first electrical engineer, and I had a career in electrical engineering in large corporation. And one wanted to combine that with my long-lasting passion for learning, which is how I moved into education and, and pursued graduate degrees in, in the field of educational technology. So I completed my PhD at Oxford and have been working on a lot of different research projects and also in practical implementations of how, especially adults, implement new technology in their work and in their profession. Most recently for the past year, I have been at the Canada School of Public Service, the Digital Academy at the school, which is a new, relatively new organization that is responsible for uh, helping public servants learn new ways of working, new technologies Mm. and new ways of working in the public service. But adult learning in the workplace is very, very broad. My doctoral thesis focused on teachers and how teachers, specifically maths teachers, how they use new technology in their teaching and how they integrate that into their professional practice and in their pedagogy in their, in their case. So I love to be in between the worlds of research and practice and really believe that it's extremely important for the two to inform yeah, each other. I, to- I totally agree. We simply don't have enough people who are doing what you do, which is to work at the intersection. And also people like Dr. Will Thalheimer, who is at the intersection and is, he calls himself an interpreter of research. Mm-hmm. So he, he finds the stuff and helps people who are very busy in their day jobs understand the research is important. And it's vital we do that. We can't have ourselves beholden much longer in our field to the armchair philosophers who wave their arms around and speculate about exactly. things without having based on proper science. And I love the fact you're an engineer Absolutely. as well, because that shows you've got the real, real hardcore scientific understanding of what makes things credible and not credible. If it works, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much you talk about it. Hey, it doesn't work. <laughs> yes. Uh, and yes. Kinga, you're going to tell me to stop talking. As you know, I, did, I wrote this book, Learning Technologies in the Workplace, and I I talk to people doing case studies about about what works, what doesn't work. So Mm -hmm. it's your interview. Tell me to shut up if I go on too much about the (laughs) stuff that I'm excited about. You talked about what you'd done in education and your research there. When we were chatting about this before doing the podcast, you, you, you talked about these stories of enthusiastic 
young, well, let's say usually young, usually male people coming into schools and saying, hey, we've got this thing. Bizarrely enough, people come in, they talk about it, and then it doesn't fly. The whiteboard, the web camera, whatever, doesn't make the vast difference to education everyone hopes. What's yes. the story behind that from your point of view with your research? Yes, it's very interesting. I mean, it's a, it's a, it, I was quite fascinated looking in, in the research when I was doing my, my doctorate. Going deep into the research, I was really fascinated by the fact that whenever a new technology came out for many, many years, the discourse around it was very similar. So in fact, I found a paper looking at graph paper. When graph paper became economically viable for it to be in, in schools, the discussion around how this is going to revolutionize and change education and make everything incredible was very, very similar to the way we talk about robots today or iPads a few years ago or television back in uh, 50 or so years ago. We talk about these always in this form of this is going to revolutionize and change education. And the problem is that now, as technology is changing so fast, there's a new technology every year. And every year, something else will revolutionize education without really looking at how they are. these technologies are integrated into the, the daily work of teachers and the, the really looking at how people learn and what they need to get out of it. They won't be successful. They're not given the chance to be successful. The obsession is on the technology, and the new idea, whatever. Exactly. Without considering how it will be used in the context of the people trying to use it. Exactly. Without thinking about how the people use it and without really understanding how people are, what their profession is in which they need to use it. So, for example, in terms of schools, hmm. uh, when large large tech companies or people who are, or the technology director at the school who's very enthusiastic about mm -hmm. technology in general, when they are helping teachers to ad adopt a new technology, they're very enthusiastic and very excited. And that's great. But very often they forget that they don't fully understand the context of what these teachers go through and what they need to do. They don't understand the subject that is being taught and the nuances of that subject. And they don't understand the, the environment in which the teacher is working. And this is true outside of schools. It's true in the workplace, in other workplaces. But often we don't think of school as a workplace we think of it as a place of learning but for the teachers it is a workplace sure and and their experience is not terribly different from a lot of other workplaces in the sense that they know what their classrooms are like uh, they know the things that completely shift classroom management that mm. completely derails an entire lesson so could you give um, an example of, appreciate. could you give us an example of how that typically people might ignore how something apparently simple for an adult can completely take a classroom off rails yes so for example in math education there's a lot of nuances in how people learn math and what is important and for example in trying to teach children about angles or planes different planes they there's nuances to that that very often technologies or the person who's enthusiastic about the technology yeah, in the yeah. school may not fully recognize that in order to show a certain angle you need to do something for the child to understand that for the students to understand so one example from from my study was a very enthusiastic technology coordinator and the, the person kept saying to the teachers well there's so many apps out there there's so many apps for exactly this topic that you're saying that you want to teach so really i mean it's just out there here, I give you a, an entire selection of them. And the teacher said, yes, but these aren't really addressing my problem. They're like, well, why don't you use iMovie? I'm like, well, I can't use iMovie because it doesn't actually look at the 
specific learning needs mm. that I need to get through to the students. So there was a lack of understanding of what exactly is needed in that specific subject. What are the nuances in order for a child to understand something? There's certain things that need to be understood prior to that. And something like, for example, a movie, creating a movie in a math class doesn't necessarily provide the educational benefits that it would in a different type of class. And so this lack of understanding and this over-enthusiasm can hinder, especially because very often the idea is that, well, if you just see how wonderful it is, you're going to jump on board. Yeah. But there's a lot yeah. of hurdles in the way. Yeah. There's a lot of hurdles and those hurdles are extremely important to understand because they they completely stall the teacher's adoption of that technology. So for example, in my study, there was a lot of very enthusiastic teachers who wanted to learn the new technology. And then there were some who were very hesitant because they don't use technology very often. However, the over-enthusiasm really, really pushes back and alienates the, both these types of teachers. And the ones who are hesitant about technology are alienated because they think, oh my goodness, I will never be able to get there. I yes. don't really understand what the person is saying. The technology enthusiast rushes ahead without realizing there's several little points that people didn't quite understand. And now they're extremely scared to even raise their hand. And then those who are enthusiastic to implement, they also slowly pull back, possibly, because there's all these hurdles along the way that they need addressed. And there's a gap. There's a gap between people who, are, who understand the technology extremely well, and then also the people who understand the way that it's going to be used really well. And there's a gap between those two that really needs to be filled. This, uh, you're absolutely right. The educational space is not different from the workplace in the sense that the, the same issues are there. The enthusiasts, what I call the enthusiasts and the pragmatists, people who are wild about the technology, people who want to get the job done. And my my own research with the Global Sentiment Survey shows we have that. I call them Group A and Group B. Um, mm. The two groups are very, very different. Group B will accept what Group A has to offer, provided it answers some of the questions that Group B have got. So Group B will focus on the, the possibilities, but Group A focus on the possibilities, but Group B want to focus on the practicalities. What can I do for this and what will it do in solving the problems I've got? And if it's not clearly going to solve problems, they tend not to be enthusiastic about it. And I use the educational example about people being wild about technology all the time when I'm talking about it. Edison in 1913 said the motion picture is designed to revolutionise, is destined to revolutionise our educational system. Uh, right. G. Darrow in 1932 talked about radio being the vibrant and challenging textbook of the air, which I think is brilliant. And in 1961, Kennedy uh, allocated $32 million to TV broadcasting for schools, everybody thinking that the platform to deliver content was going to be the way people learn. And it's a very mm -hmm. familiar story, but actually learning is a lot more than dumping information on somebody's desk. And I think that's what's missing is that understanding of what is the learning that is being offered yes. by this technology and using it in a specific way. The, the focus is still not fully on the learning and it's on the technology. And hence, we aren't really able to fully leverage some of the great technologies out there because we don't, not all the time, but there's definitely more of a focus on the technology rather than the specifics of how people learn the, and the learning science. Yes, uh, absolutely. And this you have to start with the people always. So look, let's move from the, the school to the workplace. You've done research with senior executives looking at how they might adjust to the use of, of technology for them. And, and is that different from the same as how did it, what were the differences or, or similarities with the 
school experience. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the similarities are quite striking in some mm. ways, actually. Mm. And it's striking in the sense that there's often, it's in educational technology and learning and development, sometimes there's too much focus on here's the new technology on how we're going to learn, or, or in this case, with executive technology that we need to learn about. And again, not so much about the really nitty gritty, not so exciting nuances of the day to day. And those nuances of the day to day is really what what trips up the implementation process. So for senior executives, for example, there's a very, there's a lot happening in the realm of saying, look at the possibilities, look at the art of the possible, mm. understand that there's this whole new world that we are moving into, and this is this is where we need to be going. However, I've found that some people, and of course some people, that's very important to, to understand that, but yes. others, quite a few, say, actually, I already know what that is. I know right. the art of the possible. I know where the world is going. It's not that I don't know where the world is going and that where I should also be taking my organization, but rather I am really stuck with all the nitty gritty aspects of trying to implement that kind of a cult, that kind of a world, culture, technology, processes, everything that goes along with it. I'm stuck in the procurement of my organization. I'm stuck in how to try to change parts of the culture of that organization on how to get buy-in from different parts of the organization that need to support this. And these are often the hurdles that absolutely people need help and need education and courses around because in fact that's the foundation that this new technology and this new way of working these new types of organizations are built on i like and it without it you can't you can't jump to the art of the possible the art of the possible, so the art of the possible will stumble on that on, on the, the final meter or the final yard of trying to get the thing done. The possibilities, I like that. The, the, the practicalities are the stumbling block. The possibilities are, are probably evident. I mean, people don't get to be leaders in organisations without having some idea about what big pictures look like. And they, yes. they can see, yes, okay, we can do this with it. But tell me about these practical things. Like when we talked about it before, you said, yeah, I, I get that, but I can't actually make it happen because I've got this issue with procurement. Or to make that technology work, I need to hire coders. And that's going to take me six months. And there are these practical ramifications, which very often people, the visionaries, if you like, or the enthusiasts, don't take into account. Yeah, um, and it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to always... It's hard to even focus on that sometimes because there is so much new, interesting, exciting, powerful new tools coming out and new ways of working and new in everything. But really, if we don't look at the ordinary, which is not as exciting, yeah, yeah. then we aren't really able to come to the extraordinary. And a very simple example is, for example, in the workplace, implementing, especially now as everyone's working from home. But but even before that, having a mixed work environment where some people are remote and some people are in the workplace, something as simple as realizing that in the conference room, it's extremely important to have a wide angle lens. So those who are remote can see the entire room because it's very, very distracting and disruptive when someone remotely can only hear people and see half of the room. That is not an exciting thing to think about, but it's extremely important. Whereas some organizations say, let's think about virtual reality how are we going to be in virtual reality meetings well hold on how about we just get a wide angle lens in our 
in our boardrooms so that we understand the same way as it is with learning. We need to understand the individual's experience the same way we need to understand that being outside of that meeting room, there are certain little nuances that are important for you to be able to fully participate. Uh, it's a really good example. It's, it's a really good example. And as well as the wide angle lens, let's get a speaker that's actually really good quality. Well, exactly. <laughs> and also, yes. let's have somebody facilitating who doesn't forget that the tenth person is outside the room, which is what always exactly. happens. So it's a combination of the soft skills and the technology there. Yeah, let's get that so right. So much of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're, you did a study into the adoption of, of a learning technology, we won't say what it was, and it worked or it didn't work, depending not on the technology itself, but on the people. Can you talk a bit about the nuances of that? So the learning platforms, yes. um, different types of learning platforms, uh, which are extremely important. But once again, it is the implementation of learning platforms and how people use it, how teachers and professor, uh, professors at a learning institution can interact with that learning platform. There's wonderful, powerful platforms out there on which you can have blended learning experiences and, and you build up a lesson to make, make it so much easier to, for students to read ahead, see a video of the teacher or professor ahead of the class to prepare them for the face-to-face interaction submit their work on on that platform, have discussions on the platform in conjunction with the in-class conversations. However, that takes a lot of time and a lot of work. And in my experience was one where a previous learning platform was became quite cumbersome and bogged down and a new learning platform was being implemented. However, what became very clear quickly in that in that study was that there's already hurdles that are being missed because although the platform itself is wonderful, who is going to be putting those materials together? Well, the professors in that specific case don't have the time to be, it's very time consuming to mm-hmm. create that online structure in addition to your class lectures and to have that understanding of how these two things can blend really well. So it's left to the administrative assistants who don't necessarily have an understanding of what the class is about, whose needs for their work is different. It's to store learning materials, but not necessarily to structure a learning environment. And very quickly, what was what is a great technology can be misused because it will it's not being facilitated and implemented in a way that says okay well we recognize that the teachers or professors don't have the time and also not necessarily the pedagogical knowledge of how to create a blended Mm. learning experience and also the administrative assistants don't necessarily have that either and but they have the time or they're asked to put materials online but you need someone to combine the two to have that understanding of how to create a blended learning environment and to facilitate between these two groups so that it doesn't become this vacuum of dumping learning materials on this platform and rather than creating a true blended learning experience. So it's, again, that implementation where the technology is great, but there's a missing piece. There's a missing person that translates. We've used that word before, a translation between the learning science and the actual practice. And there needs to be someone there to translate it, to create that blended environment, to understand where the needs of the professor and understand have the opportunity to actually create this uh, this environment is extremely important because already the cracks show from the very very beginning that unless you have that it's just not going to happen 
it's going to be once again a bogged down system because it's not used. And this becomes this becomes like the the Nordic ski machine that is under the bed gathering dust. Yes, it's, it's invested in. It was going to change everything. It wasn't quite what we wanted, and it's the machine's fault. Somehow mm. the machine doesn't do what we want to do. Whereas in fact we didn't build it into our lives. We weren't ready to invest the time to get how to use it properly. And perhaps it may not be the right machine for us, probably it was. And too often, uh, technologies are dumped into an area where, as you say, there are extra skills required to make them work properly. And Mm -hmm. you need time for that. And so often that time element is just not included. Uh, Of course, during during COVID-19, that's been particularly bad. I mean, there's been teachers and other people who have had an awful lot dumped on their desk saying, right, as well as everything else you're doing with managing this transition, we want you to now shift your entire practice to a new platform in a new way. Uh, of course, yes. it's going to be suboptimal probably. It worries me that people will walk away from that, as they may have done from the Nordic tracker or from your experience of the learning technology. From COVID-19, people may walk away saying, well, we tried it. It didn't work. Tried it under some very extraordinary circumstances. And yes. I, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. Were you able to suggest in any way how they might have done a better job? Or perhaps that wasn't your role, but looking at it, could you suggest how they could have done a better job of implementing that particular plan. Yes, I mean, it's really it's really about having instructional designers in that environment to be able to facilitate that middle ground and to have instructional designers and enough of them mm. to really be able to understand the nuances of the teacher and have the dedicated task of creating that resource to be able to populate that resource in a way that's educationally sound because you know we cannot keep putting more and more responsibility on on all the every professional and not recognize that there's certain things that they are doing and are good at and they're focused on and you can't just dump more tasks on them and expect that it will be done well but the role of an instructional designer is just that to understand what are the nuances of the subject and of teaching in, in, in more general terms and then to create that environment online and to teach also both the teachers and also the administrative assistants on how to use it appropriately so that really its its power is leveraged to the maximum. Because again, as technologies are changing so fast, we can't constantly think that we can just either start using it instantly and not and uh, as soon as we don't have the right outcomes from it we dump it for the next thing that is promising to revolutionize whatever industry we're in we really need to first give it time give it a little bit of time and a technology is something that can be designed beautifully so that you can start using it very easily but i think it's misunderstood that using a technology easily is not the same thing as also integrating it into your professional practice now if that's teaching that's one type of professional practice or it's something different or it's maybe a bank clerk using a new type of technology it's one thing to be able to use the technology easily but it's another to say how do I make my work shine to really amplify my work, to make it even better with this new technology uh, or with this new way of working? And, and it's really important to have that understanding because there's a lot of buzzwords that are constantly flying around and people gravitate to. And when they don't deliver, then they're completely, completely thrown out the window, Absolutely. which is yeah. very unfortunate. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And again, yes, it comes back to that scheme, that Nordic 
uh, cross schemes. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, you, you it, yes, it probably does work. It's probably not very difficult to set it up, but it has to be built into your daily routine or it's simply not going to be used. Let's loop back to where we started with these, what I call technology missionaries coming to schools, these bright young things saying, I've got this, whatever it is, tool, technology, whatever. Why haven't we learned that this enthusiasm technology-led approach is unsuccessful. Why, why do we keep repeating this from Edison in 1913 to today? Why, why do we keep having these same story told over and over again? It is really interesting, isn't it? Because we don't often learn from history. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I do find it particularly interesting in the learning sciences that there's a lack of understanding that there is any history whatsoever. I'm so shocked every time I hear people say, and you know, there's been times from people who are very excited about the new technologies and are very knowledgeable about them. And those individuals say, well, let's just try this for a new learning interaction, a new learning program. Let's just try it. I mean, we're doing it for the first time, so it's okay if we fail. Let's just give it a go. And I say, well, yes, it is okay if you make mistakes, but actually you're not doing it for the first time. Very a huge elements of what you're trying to do, maybe not the entire concept, but there's huge parts of that, of the concept you're trying to do, either the type of teaching, the way you're trying to teach, or the type of uh, program you're trying to create in your organization. A lot of this has already been done, and it's been done in maybe in a different context, but there's a lot to learn from that. So no, you're not doing it for the first time. You're not reinventing, you are reinventing the wheel. And it's so important to look back and to say, well, what exactly happened? What did they find to be successful and why? And what is the basis of this learning science that I should take into account? Another really interesting aspect of this field is that everything is always measured. And especially in terms of technology, everything is measured and can be measured. And data is a huge part of it. But for example, in, in one particular instance where I was building a concept in to, so I was building reflection into right. a specific tool. I was told, I was asked, well, how can we, is there data on how this is helpful? And is there data on saying that this will be successful? And often I think we need to start thinking about data, the, the whole debate between quantitative and qualitative, but we need to really think about that there's theories around certain things such as reflection, where you can go back and quote specific deep theories in education science that you don't need data. You don't need to say 50% or 80% of the people in our organization reflected and, and are now doing their job better. Because not everything transforms into numbers. Not everything can be quantified. But nonetheless, it's very, very important. So there's this, somehow we, um, this idea that we're not learning from the fact that this enthusiasm yeah is there needs to be more to it also is a lack of understanding of what learning science really is and the fact that it exists even and to look back and to say there's a history here and we've been doing this over and over and over again with different technologies and where did we go wrong why isn't a television used <laughs> you know sometimes it is used yeah. but it wasn't used to the to the huge extent that uh, that we predicted one is that we're so extremely enthusiastic that we don't really recognize that you know what everything has a certain purpose and doesn't have to be the answer to everything 
it has a certain purpose and if we use it for that purpose in that way it's extremely effective and the other thing is to just really think about the people involved and take the focus off the technology and let the technology be a window rather than uh, we we often have the technology as central rather than saying it's a window to yes seeing the world in a better way being able to to work in a better way I like that. So it's it's I think it's that enthusiasm that overshadows a lot and that it needs to be an all or nothing whereas if we think about the individual and if we think about learning and what it really takes for someone to learn something then we can kind of pare back the enthusiasm and really it would amplify the effectiveness of these many wonderful tools that are out there. I think that this idea of um technology being a window is perfect it helps you do things better but it's not the it's not a brick wall <laughs> cul-de-sac yes. uh, end point in its own right that's a fascinating viewpoint and i my own look at what has made successful teams in learning development implementation technology implementation teams is that you need leadership project management and good good listening i think that's something that tends to mm-hmm. be missing most of these things is the as you say the listening to the people on the ground what actually matters in terms of making this work rather than um how can this extraordinary vision be made real and i love that idea of yours that the extraordinary succeeds or fails on the ordinary when it comes mm. down to getting for example a wide angle camera got to start wrapping up there's one question we at the end we always ask two questions we always ask at the end of every interview which is what do you wish you'd known when you started out and of course you're not a lifetime lifetime lmdia previously engineer <laughs> coming into it so it'd be very interesting to know what when you started what do you wish you'd known and what are you curious about right now let's start with the first thing what do you wish you'd known what i wish i had known is understood this what we what we already talked about that a better understanding that there's there's a lack of understanding of learning science so coming from engineering you would never dream of putting an engineer into a position or putting someone who's not an engineer into a position of certain type of projects that they don't have expertise in and you recognize that the engineer has expertise in certain things and that's who we're going to entrust with this and i really never understood the fact that that is not the case in learning science it seems that everybody thinks that they're a learning specialist and we've all gone through schooling and so we have a feeling that we all understand it and so it's this lack of understanding that there's a rich history of research and practice and lessons learned in in learning sciences and that it is a science it is a science that has extremely deep impact that might not be quite as visible as an engineering where the bridge collapses that's very very clear that yeah. the engineer did not know what they were doing <laughs> or the program doesn't work however i would say that there should be an even greater appreciation for the learning sciences for the very reason that it's not necessarily obvious right away that someone isn't learning that someone is misunderstanding or that they're being pushed away from the education system. So it's not obvious but it has ex- la- lasting impact yes. which which is extremely important. So it's that under it's that realization that as a learning and education specialist think the word translator need is very very important that you're not just the professional but you also have to be the translator to really bring that uh, history and research and um and science to everyone all the time to illuminate the fact that why it's important and what that foundation is so you need to be you need to constantly um to be that translator which is very very important important part and of course within learning and development itself uh, 
not everybody is, let's put it this way, equally versed in the learning sciences, not everybody equally gets it. And I think we could do with a bit more listening amongst each other between people who, who are less familiar with the science and people who spend time looking into it. All right, final question. What are you curious about right now? What's exciting you right now, Keith? Well, I mean, specifically the time that we're going through right now with this. Yeah, we're recording this. At, we're right in the middle of lockdown with COVID-19. So that's what you're talking Ex- about. Yeah. Exactly. And educational institutions and workplaces are all going remote to a very, very, maybe not all, but a huge number of educational institutions and workplaces are going remote. And specifically, I I mean, going remote for workplace may not be quite so clear in terms of the, the professional practice right now, but in terms of educational institutions where teachers and professors are asked to do their job in fundamentally different way. I think that is something I'm very, very curious about how this will change the way that we think about technology and about learning specifically. And right now, in terms of schools, everyone is told, just do what you can, teach from home, which is a very, it's very much an emergency remote learning, which is not the same thing as online learning. And online learning requires a lot of thought and design. And I think that this opportunity right now, because I think although it is a, a terrible crisis, there's an opportunity here for learning and development in terms of being able to reassess to say what exactly does learning look like and how do people learn and that is something that is happening in workplace learning where governments and organizations their workplace learning groups are now scrambling to find the best ways of helping employees learn from a distance and schools are definitely doing that and this is an opportunity to say what does learning really mean and Mm -hmm. what is the essence so that we can do learning well online and I think this is an incredible opportunity because so there's certainly parts of learning that is not being done well in the traditional ways that they're being done often people say well let's do it in a traditional manner. Traditional isn't necessarily working for a lot of people, both in organizations and in schools. And right now, this upheaval, I think, is a perfect opportunity to really think through what does it actually take for someone to be able to learn well and for someone to be able to teach well, both online and in person. I think it'll once uh, things settle down, it will become more of a blended environment. But this this uh, emergency situation is really causing, I hope, and I'm this is what I'm curious about <laughs> is that it provides an opportunity to do it well if we spend some time really thinking about what is working what isn't working and then go back to do it well so i'm very curious how this will unfold because obviously right now it's an emergency situation where everyone's just doing the best that they can and that is you should have compassion and really just that realization that it's not a normal situation but i'm curious how this will change the way that we think about learning in all aspects of life in the workplace and in schools and how professionals learn to use new new ways of doing their work it'll be so interesting to see i think i think if you ask that question of anybody what are you curious about right now i think we're all kind of curious to see how this pans out what's going to happen exactly and and we will find out we don't know quite when but we will find out at some point in the future what happens no i just hope that people see the opportunity in this and not in addition to the incredible pain and it is a difficult time right now there's no question about it's a difficult time right now but things will come out of it that are very positive and like you i'm very curious to see how it all pans out in the end kinga um kinga petrovai great to have you with us on the beaks exchange podcast looking forward to staying in touch and great to have more engineers coming into the field to help us 
us with good research-based approaches. But also, I like your point, it can't all come down to data in the end. In the end, what matters is the people, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. That's definitely the focus. And thank you so much. It was a pleasure to speak to you as always. Great to have you here, Tina.